Uh, well, we continue our sermon series today called Questions. We've been looking at questions that God or Jesus asked people in the Scripture. We've been looking at their response to those questions. And then we've been invited to think about that same question for our own lives and how we might respond to that question. We've been alternating between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so today we're back in the Old Testament And our scripture lesson is this passage from Exodus chapter 4. Now, I don't know if you uh, noticed, but this weekend uh, there was a record that was broken. Did you hear about the guy that ran a marathon in under two hours? I mean, that, that is amazing. I went to the Murfreesboro Half Marathon yesterday, and a lot of those folks weren't doing a half marathon in two hours. This guy ran an entire marathon in under two hours. His name was Iliud Kipchoge. And um, it, it, it was a pretty impressive feat. There was a time when nobody thought that you could ever run a marathon in under two hours. And, and he did it. But it wasn't quite an official record. Uh, you see, he didn't run with other runners. It, it didn't meet the qualifications to be a marathon. He didn't run with any other runners. It was not a marathon where anybody could run. He had seven pacers who were uh, aerodynamically positioned around him to kind of prevent the wind, uh, serve as a windshield for him so that he could get a better time. There was actually an electric car in front of him that also sort of shielded some of the wind, which believed would make a faster time. Uh, That car also had lasers, and so the lasers uh, from the back of the car shot out onto the ground the best position that this marathon runner and all of his pace setters could, could be running in for the optimal speed at that particular time. And it was a largely flat um, area that he was running on. So even though he did actually run the marathon in under two hours, it was not an official world record. But don't feel bad for the guy. I mean, he still owns the best, legit world record for a marathon, finished in two hours and one minute. So, I mean, he's about two minutes. It helped him. All those other things helped him with two minutes uh, on his time. But it it was pretty amazing when you think about it. Um, uh, Yesterday at the half marathon here in Murfreesboro, which all of you, I'm sure, were loving if you were trying to get out and around town yesterday morning, the winning pace for the half marathon was a five-minute mile. This guy ran a 4-3-4, I think mile. Amazing what he did. Well, uh, I don't know uh, if you're aware of this, but Moses owned a record himself. <laughs> it wasn't one that you'd want to be known for. He, he, was, he had a record because he'd murdered somebody. Uh, he he was, uh, had murdered an Egyptian in a fit of rage And then he had to flee town. He was on the run himself. He might have been doing a four-minute mile to get out of Dodge after he'd committed this crime. And so Moses goes to the desert and he spends 40 years there. And while he's there in that desert, he is tending sheep. 
And while he's in that desert tending sheep, God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush and says, you know, I want you to go and do something for me. I want you to go. I have heard the cry of my people, the Hebrew people, who have been in bondage to the Egyptians and specifically to Pharaoh for hundreds of years. And I want you to be the one that I use and go back and to liberate the Hebrew people and to lead them into the promised land. And and Moses is not really sure that he's the one that should be used in that regard. Um, He is not a most likely candidate. He he has murdered somebody. He's a wanted man. He hasn't always been a good man. And, 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 And he's been in the wilderness for 40 years. That's not exactly building a stellar resume of someone that God might want to use for such an important task. And yet when you think about it, Moses was uniquely qualified for this which God was calling him to do. After all, Moses grew up in the home of an Egyptian. You remember that there was an edict out that all the little Hebrew children should be killed. And so Moses' mother put him in a basket and put him in the water. And Pharaoh's daughter found Moses and she took Moses in. And he was raised in the palace of Pharaoh. So here is a guy that's been on the inside. Here is a guy that knows how things work in Egypt. Here is a guy that knows maybe what the best approach is to to get Pharaoh to listen and to hear and to heed the voice of God. And, And not only that, Moses is uniquely qualified because he's been on the run for 40 years. He's been out in the middle of the wilderness or the desert for 40 years because he's a wanted man and And so you've got to learn how to survive when you've been out in the desert that long. You've got to learn how to be able to resist uh, predators that come after you and seek to attack you. You've got to be able to find your own food. You've got to be able to take care of yourself. And so if this Moses is going to be leading people to the promised land, and we know it took them 40 years to get there, then who is more qualified than somebody who's already spent 40 years in a desert trying to learn how to live and how to survive and endure difficult days uh, than Moses himself. And so Moses is uniquely qualified. And yet, Moses is not so sure. In fact, Moses offers a lot of excuses and objections as for why he shouldn't be the one that God uses for this important task. The first objection that he said is, well, well who am I? That, that I should be the one to go. I mean, it's as if Moses is reminding God that, okay, I do have a criminal record here. I'm not, um, I'm not a, a, a Boy Scout. I'm not somebody that, that's going to be an example for all to follow here. And so he says, who am I? And, and God says, well, you're the one that I called. You're the one that I want to go and do this. You're the one that I created to do this. And so uh, then Moses offers a second objection. He's like, well, okay, um, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Uh, I, I don't want to look foolish. I, I don't want to 
to be ill-prepared for, for what you're calling me to do. And, and God basically said, look, I, I created you, I, I called you, uh, I'm preparing you for this, and, and, and I'm going to tell you everything that you need to say when you need to say it. So you don't have to worry about not knowing the answers to the questions. I will help supply you with those answers. Well, then Moses objects a third time, and he says, well, what, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't trust me? What if they don't listen to me? I, I mean, um, I, again, I'm not this role model that a lot of people are going to follow. And, 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 and that's essentially the, the question that we're going to deal with in our sermon today. But then the fourth objection after, Jesus, uh, after Moses uh, says this to God, he says, well, I'm a, I'm a terrible public speaker. You know, I, 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 I stutter, I, I, I can't get my words out, I, 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 you know, I, nobody will ever listen to me. And God basically says to Moses, look, who created your voice? Who, who gave you the voice that you have? The same person that's calling you, that's who. And, and, and I am going to speak through you. I have chosen you and, and I will use you. And so that's not a good objection either. And then the last um, excuse that Moses uses is the lamest excuse yet. He just says, well, um, uh, just pick somebody else. I don't want to go. And, and so all of these objections, all of these doubts that, to for Moses to not do what it is that God called him to do. What I love about the story is that despite the fact that Moses offers all of these objections, and despite the fact that Moses has all sorts of doubts, God doesn't scold Moses. God doesn't chide or rebuke Moses. In fact, every time that Moses offers an objection, God offers a reassuring response to that objection. And specifically to um, the objection that he's afraid that they won't listen to him, he's afraid that they won't believe him, or that they won't trust him. Uh, God uh, says that you have all that you need already. And I can take what you have and I can convince them to listen to you. And so God asked Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, well, it's a staff. And God says, then throw that staff onto the ground. And when Moses threw that staff onto the ground, the staff turned into a snake. And then he proceeded to do a couple of other things. He told him to put his hand in his, in his cloak, and when he pulled his hand out, it was leprous. And when he pulled his hand, put his hand back in and pulled it out again, it was completely clean again. And, and then he said if those two things don't work, that he'll turn uh, the Nile River water into blood. Uh, What God was saying is, is that if you will allow me to use what is available to you, then I can take what is available to you and I can transform it and I can use it to further my purposes and to do my will in the world. Just let me use what you possess, what you have available, 
and I will make a profound difference in the world. And so my question for you today is, what's in your hand? What is it that, that God has made available to you that you might be able to use to make a profound difference in the world? Now, you may have some doubts about it, and God's not going to scold you or rebuke you or chide you for those doubts any more than God did it for Moses. But God does want to reassure you and me that if we will allow God to use what is in our hands, what is available to us, that God can use it, and that God will use it, and that God will make an impact and a difference in the world around us. I wonder, what's in your hand? Uh, maybe, you're a, 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 maybe you're a good artist, like Miss Nancy with her artwork this morning. And, and, and maybe you can take some string and some um, macaroni or some pasta, and you can somehow make a beautiful children's sermon out of that. Isn't that amazing? What, what, I mean, God could have said, Nancy, what do you have in your cupboard? Well, I got pasta and I got some string. <laughs> well, use it. Make a difference. And you can do it. What's that in your hand? Maybe you're a great mentor. Maybe you just have a way with, with one-on-one um, uh, -on -one relationships and helping people in difficult moments. And, and, and so maybe God wants you to just use that for God's glory. Maybe, maybe, not to, maybe to do something in the church to look for people who are struggling with life and to offer them a one-on-one -on -one, uh, caregiving relationship like Stephen Ministry, for instance. Maybe you're a computer whiz. Maybe, maybe you think, well, yeah, that's all my kids do is stay on the computer. Well, there are a lot of people that don't have a clue how to do much more than turn their computer on. So maybe you could use your, your love of computers and your love of technology to teach people in the church how to, to unleash all of the possibilities that technology has for making our lives better and more efficient. Uh, maybe you have the spiritual gift of giving. Maybe you've come into a lot of money lately, or maybe you are, are planning to leave a lot of money behind when you're gone. And, and maybe God's calling you to take care of my building debt here at the church. It's $15,000 a month that we pay on our building debt. What could we do if somebody with the gift of giving would just say, you know what? I'm going to eliminate a large portion of that or all of that. Maybe that's what God wants you to do. I don't know what your gift is. It could be really, really big. It could be really, really small. But all I know is that I have seen it over and over and over in my life that whenever we offer to God what we have available, God can take it and transform it and bless it in a way that will end up blessing the world. And so that's the question that I have for you today. Is what is it that you have available to you? What is that in your hand? And would you be willing 
despite your doubts and the excuses that you may come up with, to allow God to use that and to bless the world.